0: I'm Doug Apple back with another special interview for you today. I have a special guest in the studio. His name's Bill Harper. Good to have you back on Wave 94. Hey, Doug. Glad to be back. We've been talking about the larger story, and I will want to continue that talk because it's such a big thing for me. I'm, I'm seeing uh, now that we all have our stories, and uh, my smaller story combines with so many other smaller stories, and they all I'll point to the larger story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some new journeys on, on my story. I call it a river of life, kind of the way it flows for me, and I'm love to be I'm a fisherman. I love the outdoors. I love exploring a trout stream with a fly rod and often kayak it, right? Float it in a boat. Well, you don't know what's around the corner, or at least the first time down, right. <laughs> right. Like life. And, uh, it could be, uh, it could be a a great little lazy stream. There could be trees stuck in the middle. Let's hope that you're smart enough. It's not a waterfall or. So, uh, this lazy river ride things can be a flood. It can be floodwaters. It can be dangerous, you know? Uh, and I kind of look at the river of life like the story going on in real time. Um, and it's like creation is so sweet to me. I get such nourishment out of creation. So what's going on in my river of life lately? Um, last show, I talked about uh, how I lost my parents years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom died when I was 16, and uh, my dad died when I was 26. And the journey of the abandonment and the wounds and everything. Well, now I've got another set of parents. They're my in-laws. They're my wife's parents. Mm-hmm. And I am being given the joy, the opportunity to love them well mm-hmm. in the sunset of their lives. And, oh, it's not that easy to do. But in this journey, I am given the opportunity to love these people well mm-hmm. at the end of their lives. And it's teaching me about a lot about me. It's really bringing my wife and I back together. So there's the story that's flowing with, uh, with my wife's parents. And another thing about this larger story I'm flowing into uh, with brothers who are fighting for each other's hearts. You know, we're all broken, right? And we have our baggage. We have the things that we believe about ourselves that are untrue. Uh, If they're lies that came from the enemy, we call that agreements. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my agreements in an early day, Jeff, after losing my parents was that I'm all alone in this world. That Mm. nobody's going to fight for me nobody's going to care for me uh, with that came the second agreement that if I'm going to be happy it's all up to me you know and what I would do and the the things that I would grab and hold on to and well anyway here we are today but the guys I'm walking with the brothers I'm walking with now are often struggling to keep their heads above water in this maddening world just to take time to hear the voice of God just to to, to have peace and not you know, we're bouncing from one thing to one thing. We'll talk about that later. Um, some new additions to my story. I'm now the proud owner of four titanium screws and a plate in my back. Mm. Uh, that's been a fun recovery. I don't mean that literally. It's It's been a struggle. Mm-hmm. Simon Weil wrote, Two things pierce the human heart. One is beauty. The other is affliction. And this painful, I had a back injury back in September of 2018. And, and so for 18 months, roughly, I was suffering with limited range of motion damage, constant chronic pain. And so this was a uh, attempt to fix that. And it's apparently it's working, but the healing is not that immediate. Um, in that time of great pain, there's, remember, I said, I'm a man in search of my heart. The assumption is that piercing of the heart is good. Uh, two things, as Simon wiles said, two things pierce the human heart. One is beauty, the other is affliction. If we are to assume that piercing of the heart is good, uh, and let's say I had gotten so much beauty and I had been seeing such wonderful things in the peace and the easy time of retirement, perhaps I'd become desensitized. Perhaps the uh, law of diminishing returns had set in, so God said, "Well, we're going to tune mm-hmm. you up with a little affliction." There you go, right? And you know it's worked. Uh, I have become more tender. I have become more uh, aware of things. And so, man in search of his heart, my recent journey is affliction. I said, "Lord, you know I'm I'm really good with the affliction right now. We can get off of that and move back to the beauty, if it's okay with you." So we'll see that we'll, where that's going to go. Um, like I said, uh, uh, about a decade and a half ago, I entered recovery for my addiction. I'm I'm a Christian in recovery for my addiction. I'm a man in search of my heart. My name's Bill. That's my self-described introduction at Celebrate Recovery. But as I journey to find my heart, I'm finding it closer and closer to the heart of God, to the heart of Christ. Uh, I find that I'm moving into wholeheartedness, a place where it's integral in my spirit. And this journey to the heart is something that I'm on. I'm going to find it because it's bearing such fruit. It's bearing fruit in relationships, relationships with myself, relationships with my wife and my loved ones, all because the relationship at the top is healthy. Um. I'm finding it the whole way. And it is a larger story. There's so much bigger than this. Uh, I mentioned last time how the larger story calls me up to fight with a warrior heart, a a heart that God put within me. Now, you're going to hear me say a lot of things. These did not all come from my head. I read a lot. And I will quote John Eldridge, and I will will read from John Eldridge's website today, and you'll have I'll, you'll, I'll quote Richard Rohr and uh, other profound writers and prophets. I'm not that smart. I'm more of a plagiarist than anything, but I'm trying to tell the story in context here. Um, years ago, uh, when I got into recovery, I picked up the book Wild at Heart, and there is a calling on my heart to fight for others to to love my beauty well to rescue her and a call to go out and adventure be trout streams or mountains or things like that and this story of finding myself as it moves closer to the closer to the heart of God is is where I'm going with this larger story so I'm not really all that smart or original I'm, Quoting brilliant men, uh, men who I find to be prophets, who's helped me understand the Word of God and apply it to my life, um, best I can tell. So what I'd like to do now is is read from uh, the Ransomed Heart website, which is the parent uh, organization of John Eldridge, because they can describe the larger story here with so much clarity— And it says on their website, life, you'll notice, is a story. Life doesn't come to us like a math problem. It comes to us like a story does, scene by scene. And a year goes by like a chapter from a novel. Sometimes it seems like a tragedy. Sometimes it seems like a comedy. And most of it feels like a soap opera. Either way, it's a story through and through. Our lives will see love affairs and layoffs, uh, the collapse of empires, or your child's day at school. None of this makes sense without a story. And so this is helpful to know. And when it comes to figuring things out in this life you're living, you would do well to know the rest of the story. Because for most of us, life feels like a movie we've arrived at 40 minutes late. Sure, good things happen, sometimes beautiful things. But tragic things happen too. What does it mean? We find ourselves in the middle of a story that is sometimes wonderful, sometimes awful, usually a confusing mixture of both, and we haven't a clue how to make sense of it all? No wonder we keep losing heart, because we need to know the rest of the story. You see, for when we were born, we were born into the midst of a great story begun before the dawn of time. A story of adventure, of risk and loss, of heroism and betrayal. A story where good is warring against evil. Where danger lurks around every corner and glorious deeds wait to be done. Think of all those stories you've ever loved. There's a reason they stirred your heart. They've been trying to tell you about the true epic ever since you were young. There is a larger story. Walk into any large mall, museum, amusement park, even a university or hospital, and you will typically meet at once there, a very large map with a pointer or a red star and the encouraging words, you are here. These maps are offered to visitors as a way to orient themselves to their situation, to get some perspective on things, situational awareness, Anyway, this is the big picture. This is where you are in that picture. Hopefully now you know where to go. You have your bearings. Oh, that we had something like this for our life. This is the story in which you have found yourself. This is how it started. This is where it went wrong. This is what will happen next. Now this, this is the role you've been given. If you want to fulfill your destiny, this is what you must do. These are your cues, and here is how things are going to turn out in the end. You can discover the story. Maybe not with perfect clarity, maybe not in the detail that we would like, but in greater clarity than most of us now have, and that would be worth the price of admission, I mean, to have some clarity would be gold right now, wouldn't it? So that is read from the Ransomed Heart website as it talks about this larger story. So recently, I've been feeling the madness and the pull of the world, seeing it in others. It's almost like free time has been degraded. Everybody is assaulted in every different direction with cell phones, that confounded, infernal instrument we can't live without, and jobs. And we can be reached at all hours of the day, which isn't right. And then we turn on the TV, and if it's not the politics, it's the coronavirus and whatever's coming at us and assaulting us. Uh our free time has taken up the bandwidth. Where can we find a time to just silence the noise and connect with God uh, to be present with our family? We are assaulted. We we carry these poison trackers with us. That's what I call my cell phone, and we can't lose them. Our smartphones. Um, it seems things have changed really. Quickly, by that, I mean, within the last few years And for the worse, because we're not connecting with each other We're not connecting with our hearts How can we even connect with God in that? And it's showing up in very insidious ways uh, A lack of peace, a lack of serenity uh, Mental disease, uh, people getting rattled And just a, a degradation of the inner peace That we find ourselves Um you know, John Eldredge just wrote a new book. John has always been, to me, a prophet that can see things coming well ahead of time and can relate to the problems, describe them with such clarity. He's given me great clarity. So his new book is entitled, Get Your Life Back. They are everyday practices for a world gone mad. Um, it teaches us how to step away, to pause from the onslaught, a picture of uh, all kinds of techniques and principles to learn from this. I'm got to admit, I'm only halfway through the book, and it's absolutely delicious. But one incredible observation is we're suffering from compassion fatigue. As I was driving over here to the studio, I saw a guy by the side of the road, you know, with the flying a sign, and my heart is has compassion for him. Well, he's two lanes over, and I'm in a hurry, and I can't stop. And so that stayed with me for a little while down the road, and I can't do anything. I'm fatigued about that. I can't do anything about the uh, so much of the terrible injustice in the world. I found ways how I can help uh, in certain arenas, but when I see the the darkness of the sex trafficking in the, in the world, when I see the tragedy of people losing their children, and just the screens come by every day with nothing but tragedy, and it just tears your heart up, whether it be social media or whatever. We were never designed to carry that weight with us. Compassion fatigue, and we have compassion, and it we were never intended to carry the weight of the world's brokenness upon us. That's one thing that's happening. Um, again, these are all... John Eldridge's thoughts, and, but things that make great sense to me. Uh, the nonstop media that comes at us every place you turn around. <laughs> Thank gosh uh, that I have a mute button or now Alexa, mute the TV. Uh, and learning to shut off my phone and not pick it up. Um, the other day I went in, my phone broke, right? Which is never good. And I went into uh, the phone store. And and uh, I called up AT&T to see if they could reset it or something was going on. It turned out a transmitter feature was something in there was broke. And it did reset and it didn't last long. I walked out, and walked back in. But when I finally set an appointment to come back later, I walked out. And I realized how angry I was. I was only afraid, Right. What was I afraid of? I was afraid of the inconvenience of uh, of all this stuff with my phone. I did go back in the next day and I apologized to them. I said I was in a bad place, so please forgive me. Um, you know we have all these fears. We humans, uh, the fear of closed spaces, uh, is called uh, claustrophobia. Fear of heights, Doug. For that, for fifty points, you know what the fear of heights is called? Acrophobia. And so, what about the fear of losing your phone? What do we call that? Nomo, nomophobia. It's real. That's our lifeline. It's our communication device. And mercy, do we not spend so much time on that? It takes our mind away. Shiny things, glittering, reminds me of a bird, right, or uh, some kind of uh, fishing lure. Uh, I've noticed that about myself, and how easily it is to be pulled into that so how do I get my life back I mean that's just one place to realize how the social media and all the TV and everything is coming at us and what is my reference point in life how well here we are in a Christian radio station so I bet we're going to talk about God aren't we how does all this fit how does this insanity fit into the larger story we are born into a world at war. By that I mean, it has been broken ever since the garden, and it is even broken more right now. The problem in this warfare right now is the pace of this maddening world. Like I said, it doesn't allow us the heart space to connect with ourselves, our our, our beloveds, and especially God, so we're drying up like Earthworms on a sunny sidewalk, and we're dying, but slowly. We don't even recognize it. The pace of this world. John wrote all about that in the book. Get your life back, and it's like we have to fight for a quiet, unhindered space. Um, I'm I'm able to find it outdoors whenever I get out into the creation. I have a beautiful little uh, creation restoration beauty spot that. That And you know, often when I get out there with my dog, I want to share it with the whole world. I wish more people could be there with me. But oh, so few people have that or even the time to take it uh, out there. Um, I am so struck by the warfare that we're in. I've seen uh, such evil forces at work here. And again, as it says... In what I read, why is life so hard? Maybe we can get some clarity about what's going on. So I'm going to start reading again from the Ransomed Heart website about the larger story. You were born into a world at war. Jesus said in Matthew 10 34, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And in that passage, uh, in Matthew, he talks about strife between family. A man will leave his father. A daughter will leave their mother. There will be conflict, conflict in families. Oh, my gosh, is that not true today? It says at the end of that passage that those who who find their life and lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Well, you know, that was kind of my story, too, too. Um, My family was taken from me by death. There has still been discord in my family and others. But my story is I was a pilot and I was in a flight suit and silver wings and all that Air Force glory and man, that was my story. That was my identity. And behind it, I could have such darkness and sin in my heart and my addictions. Finally, I got free of that. It's no longer my identity but that was the warfare that came after me. I, uh, in the early days after my parents died and I went on with my life and strived to go into the military and, and, and learn to be a pilot, I, I, uh, had an agreement that I was all alone. The enemy had made me believe in my abandonment wound that there was nobody for me. And that was just not true. Uh, It took me a long time once I met the person of Jesus to really allow him to rule my life, to believe that he was there for me. So that was an unhealthy agreement that I made. Anyway, back to reading from the Eldridge, uh, from the Ransomed Heart website. You are born into a world at war. There may not be a more clarifying truth for you to grasp in order to understand life in this world At this moment, but you were born into a world at war. The Christmas story is told from heaven's perspective in the book of Revelation. We may sing away in a manger in silent night, but what happened that night was much different. In Revelation, it says the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. That is those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus in Revelation 12. That's the world at war. In Mere Christianity, in the chapter he so rightly titled The Invasion, C.S. Lewis wrote, he tried to clarify our situations, he wrote, One of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it talked so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death, disease, and sin. The difference is that Christianity thinks this dark power was created by God and was good when he was created and went wrong. Christianity agrees. This universe is at war. How else do you explain terrorism, or young girls kidnapped and sold into the sex trade by the millions, school shootings, the number of young people dying of drug abuse each year, suicide? Really now, what is your explanation for evil in the world? Until we come to terms with war as the context of our days, we will not understand life. We will either blame ourselves or others or God for the terrible things happening to us. And we will not know how to overcome. For we are not fighting, and this is from Ephesians, we are not fighting Against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil, so that after the battle you will still be standing firm. That's out of Ephesians 6. In James 4, it says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And finally, in 1 Peter, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The scriptures could not be more clear. We are at war. If you were over, if you would overcome, you must learn how to fight as you have been commanded. So that's the end of the reading from the website at Ransomed Heart. This puts it into perspective for me. And I don't want to be dark or despairing because newsflash, I read to the end of the book. It's a good ending. We are in act three of the larger story. That is the battle for the heart. And Uh, That part about the entrance of evil, when Satan was cast down, that was act two. And now we're in the midst of this battle for the heart, and it explains why life is so hard. Because he hates us. He hates those who carry the image of God in them, which is you and me as Christians. And it gives me some context for the brokenness of the world. It helps me forgive others quicker when... They are less than perfect. It helps me see, uh, have compassion on those who are really living in just deep sin and brokenness. Um, and it helps me understand my own boundaries and the places of my weaknesses. It helps me love myself and put up clear boundaries to where I'm allowed to go and what I'm allowed to do and what I'm even allowed to think about and look at because of this warfare. But the biggest thing it does is it calls me up to be a part of the solution, to, be, uh, to fight for others' hearts and to rescue them. I find that a lot in recovery, helping people find their way through their brokenness. That's a huge thing about rescuing others. Step two of the 12 steps says, We came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. A word, a thought, keeps surfacing. Um, a power greater than ourselves. I often wonder about this thing called the word. Um, in the beginning of the larger story, uh, in John one, it says, "In the beginning of the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word was with God from the beginning." Uh, forgive me if I misstate that. I'm quoting from memory this word this thought about god is is well you know what us human creatures are different than animals in in that we're the only creature that can think about what we're thinking about and this thought of glory or this thought of warfare or this thought of love or this thought that i am committed these word is he the central source of all good thoughts, of all good things. And when I hear his voice, am I not hearing his word? Uh, He's calling me. I guess there's the point to this whole thing. He's calling me into this battle. I am seeing a picture of where we are. Remember the map. You are here in this world at war. And it makes me want to fight for the hearts of others. I think God has called me up to fight with a warrior heart. He put this heart of God within me. Um, I'm finding it as I search for my heart. A lot of people are. The Ransomed Heart Ministries has been healing so many people by bringing them into a connection. Again, I'm going to read from their website. They write on the Ransomed Heart website, Over and over again, we meet dear folks who want to know God. But they have never heard his voice, have never experienced Jesus healing their heart. They've never learned to break the enemy's dark cloud off their soul. Freedom evades them. Life eludes them. Intimacy and the joys of the kingdom are not part of their experience. It's just so sad because it is available. End quote. I am, I agree. I've seen those who are broken and I've seen those who are beginning to, I've seen myself find that. I read again from the website, Christ wants to do more for us than simply forgive. He wants to restore us. And he then calls those who are being restored to help rescue others. This is why God calls together small communities of heart to fight for one another and for the hearts of those who have not been set free yet. We hear each other's stories. We discover each other's glories. We learn to walk with God together. We pray for each other's healing. We cover each other's back. Sure, Jesus spoke to the masses, but he lived in a little platoon, a small fellowship of friends and allies. And so we find ourselves in a love story set in the midst of life and death battle. Just look around you. Look at the casualties strewn across the field, the lost souls, the broken hearts, the captives. And we must take this battle seriously. This is a war, a battle for the human heart. And we have reached the moment where we must find our courage and rise up and recover our hearts and fight for the hearts of others. There's nothing more exhilarating, nothing more profoundly beautiful than to rescue the life of another human being. End quote. I'm seeing uh, in the worship rooms at Celebrate Recovery, the joyous voices lifted up to God. Now, I'm a worshiper guy, okay? I get up right up in the front row. I love to worship, and because I can't sing very well, I get really close to the speakers and you know the loud noise, so they, they can't hear me, but they're... Uh, my brothers and sisters, and I'll turn around and everybody is just praising with hearts and arms and voices lifted because they have been rescued. In recovery, we get very close to the people who come in for the first night, those who are broken, those who are really hurting. Uh, and anybody who's out there hurting right now, I just say there is a solution. There is a truth. Remember, the enemy does not want you to hear it. He has control. The enemy has probably placed voices in your, you've heard voices that are not true, telling you things about yourself that are lies, making you believe things that were never intended to come from God. These are accusations and agreements. And it takes a while to break free of those. Those are some of the ways that we can fight for each other's hearts. These are the things I'm talking about in the in the world at war, the battle for the heart that we're living in in Act 3. And it's my passion. So I want to direct any listeners to places where they can find uh, information on this. And place that I've read for on this show right now is ransomedheart.com. Look, for The Larger Story, everything on there is available to, to explain the writings of John Eldridge and their retreats and the, the things that have given me such clarity and understanding. I recommend the book Epic by John Eldridge about The Larger Story. And, of course, the profound uh, book Wild at Heart, which awakened my heart to the story that God is telling both by John Eldridge. I recommend a book uh, by Richard Rohr called Breathing Underwater that is about the 12 steps and the spirituality there. That's a place in the 12 steps of recovery where God is healing his people. Uh, Again, I have seen uh, people rescued and healed in the rooms of recovery. Almost That's where the gospel is at work these days. Has the church been healing people in the last, you know, now, since 2,000 years later, are they getting healed all that much in the church? I have to say not so much. But in the rooms of recovery, they are. And so you want to see the gospel at work, go there. Um, and uh, find 12-step, look up addiction recovery, 12-step recovery near you. Look for a group, try several they all have their different personalities. They all have their different strengths and weaknesses. But that's where the gospel is at work in the rooms of 12-step recovery. So finally, I'm going to read and close with some more from the Ransomed Heart website because this is such profound, profound words. They say there there are passions written on your heart. There are things that make you want to pound your fist on the table. These stories The movies you love are also a clue. The stories that stir you to tears, the roles you would love to play. And the wounds of your life are also clues to your destiny because your enemy has been trying to prevent you from playing your role. The story of your life is the long and sustained assault upon your heart by the one who knows who you could be and fears you. That's the enemy they're referring to. But there is good news. The author of the story wants to help you recover your place. Frederick Buchner believed that the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. What could be more hopeful? It's a dangerous thing to underestimate your role in the story. This is our most desperate hour. You are needed. There are great things to be done and great sacrifices to be made. And to find our lives, we must turn to Jesus. We must seek from Him the answer to who we are and the missions He has for us. But first, we must learn to walk with Him intimately, to learn to hear His voice so that He might guide us into the destinies He has for us. That and there's the end of the quote there that has been my story over the last 15 years I'm coming to hear his voice I'm seeing my place in the larger story and it's calling me to greater things with passion and love and I'm not doing it out of my own strength but out of being being called up into his and it's absolutely beautiful Doug I want to thank you for having me on and I look forward to coming back Thank you very much, Bill. We appreciate you being here. That's Bill, as he says, a man in search of his heart. Thank you, Doug. And for Wave 94, I'm Doug Apple.